It's time to talk about Singles, the original motion picture soundtrack. Things are going to change, I can feel it. It's just going to be that kind of fight, it And we're back. Waterproof Records with this guy. Yes, it's me. I'm still here. And you're back too. We're getting closer and closer all the time. You guys, so we're getting more settled into this space here. I have my two records behind me. I'm slowly working on adding some stuff to the space. But I wanted to address something, which was if you've watched the show on YouTube, you watch the first episode and you watch the second episode, you'd be like, wow, that was such a dramatic shift in scenery. Yeah, that's because if you follow some of my stuff on online, um, my wife and I, we built a medieval tavern in our garage. And you're probably like, you did what now? Well, you've, you've heard of a lot of crazy projects that people are doing and have done over the past year and a half with the, uh, the pandemic and getting stir crazy. Well, we moved into this place last year. And we, the long story short, I'll do my best. I'm terrible at that because oftentimes when I say long story short, it's still an incredibly long story. But um, we wanted to create something, a space of our own. And in, in the place we live in now, they had this really cool garage that was, you know, honestly, I couldn't really fit my car into it. It was kind of the way it was laid out and wasn't enough room. And we were about to celebrate our 20th wedding anniversary. And one of our dreams was to go to Scotland um, as a, a kind of an anniversary gift to ourselves. Well, because of the situation um, with the pandemic and lockdown and safety, we were not going to be able to go to Scotland. So this idea came to us. My, my wife was getting into like, you know, herbs and spices and gardening and apothecary and that kind of stuff. And I was thinking about brewing my own mead, which I now do. And this idea came together. We're like, well, what if we turn the garage into this medieval tavern? So we did. We spent a couple weeks. We got some cool uh, insulation foam and made it look like stone and just created this very, very cool project. And it's called the Fox and Owl. And uh, we love it. You can even follow, we have some online uh, Instagrams and, um, and uh, uh, TikToks that you can go check out. So just look for the Fox and Owl. I think the TikTok is at the Fox and Owl. So anyway, I, my first episode, I was like, oh, this is going to be so great. I can have the podcast in the tavern. Well, the problem is it's summertime, y'all, and it's hot. Now, we do have an air conditioner in the uh, Fox and Owl. We have a little little unit there, but... The problem is when you're making a podcast, you can't just run air. It's just this loud, like psh, the whole time. So by the, I got through the first one. Then the second one, I started recording and I was sweating my butt off. It was terrible. And then the later it got, the crickets started to make noises outside. And I was like, this is not going to work. So maybe I'll return to the tavern uh, once the weather cools and, and it's a lot more comfortable. I don't know. But I also have now this space, which uh, I'm going to be adding some more stuff on the wall here soon. So anyway, that's why I'm no longer in, you know, episode one, you're looking at me and you're like, wow, he's like in a dungeon or something. And then the second one, I was just in a room with some records on the wall. Um, but anyway, let's get to the, the subject at hand, which is the singles soundtrack. 
Now, I did a video on singles, um, one of my earlier TikToks, when I started making the reaction videos, and then I decided, let's do some essentials. And this is where it got kind of funny for me, because I was thinking about my experience. And if, if you grew up in the 90s, singles was one of those albums that just blew the doors open for a lot of different kinds of bands and introduced it to you in a very organic, natural way. And so I was thinking to myself, I was like, that's a crucial soundtrack. And the 90s were known for having these amazing film soundtracks that were filled with incredible bands. And it was like, it was your way to get a chance to hear, you know, 12 different artists that you may have not heard of all at once. The, the best way to get a compilation. You know, you had things like Romeo and Juliet and Clueless and Airheads and, and uh, I, what, The Crow. The Crow. I've, I've covered a lot of these and I, I will on the podcast. Uh, singles is, is such a cool soundtrack. And the story behind it is, is incredibly cool and fascinating about how this whole thing came together. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So um, it came out, the soundtrack came out about three months before the film itself. It came out on the, um, I have the dates here, June 30th, 1992. And then the movie came out September 17th, 1992. So at the time... Singles is a Cameron Crowe film. You know him. He's a famous director, done lots of movies. Um, the guy is a music head. You know, he loves his music. And the story about how this film came together, he at the time was in a relationship with Nancy Wilson. Yes, Nancy Wilson from Heart, Anne and Nancy Wilson. So they are uh, Seattle locals. You know, that's where they're from. And so he was dating Nancy. He would soon marry her. They're no longer together, actually, but they, they eventually did get married. But at the time, he was, he was with her. They were a couple, and she would have him come stay in Seattle with her, and he really got a chance in you know 1990 experiencing the city of Seattle and this vibrant music scene that was just right there. He was in the, in, in the belly of the beast of all these awesome bands that were performing and just the nightlife and getting to know these musicians. And that's where the inspiration for writing this kind of love letter to the city of Seattle and the music scene, this is where this inspiration came from. So you look at it now looking back, and even at the time when the movie came out, you see Nirvana's Nevermind and Pearl Jam's 10 both came out in 1991. And so from the looks of it, you see this rom-com singles coming out you know, the next year, and you're going, oh, here we go. The, the Hollywood machine is cashing in on, on the grunge movement. And yes and no. You know what I mean? It was like the film um, came before his idea, the impetus of the project, the story, the the creation of the project came before grunge was exploding everywhere. But I would imagine it didn't hurt for those Hollywood executives to be like, a, oh, this is hot now? Okay, let's get this thing out immediately and let's advertise it and let's push, push the soundtrack. So yes and no. But it, I, I think it came from a really cool, honest place. And because he was living there, there's so many cool stories about how some of these musicians were involved in the film. So let's let's dive in, shall we? Let's dive into singles. So I'm going to bring up the track list here. Um, the album opens with Alice in Chains' Wood. And uh, that's a fantastic song. And it appears on the band's sophomore album, Dirt. But actually, Wood appeared on the single soundtrack first. 
So this was kind of like your preview, letting you know that the album Alice in Chains was about to drop later was going to be incredible because Wood is an awesome song. I love it. I, I it, Those twos, uh, you know, Jerry Cantrell and Lane Staley's harmonies together are just magic. That pairing, the way they complemented each other, the way they could shift into those minor keys. It's just to this day, one of my favorite duos that existed of all time. So um, Wood is an incredible song, and it was lyrics written in honor of um, the passing of Andrew Wood, the, the front man, lead singer of the band Mother Love Bone, who appears on this soundtrack in a little bit. So there was a lot of tributes to Andrew Wood because he was, you know, really charismatic personality. Everybody really liked him in the music scene. And he overdosed um, from heroin in 1990, um, I think early 1990, around March. And uh, so a lot of these artists were really, really affected by that. They were close to Andrew. And so it really created a lot of uh, tributes and inspiration. And we've got things like, you know, Chris Cornell was roommates with Andrew Wood. So he wrote some songs. And then that's how he partnered up with, you know, some of the guys from Pearl Jam. And then, and then that's how the Temple of the Dog came together. And then you've got songs like Wood, which were, were about Andrew Wood. So um, that song is a killer song, great way to open the, open the record, and uh, really gives you a taste of uh, what's to come on this soundtrack. So then we go into um, Breath by Pearl Jam. And what's so cool about these songs is Pearl Jam was a very, very new band at this time. I mean, we're talking, you know, only only a couple, like a well, as the movie began, I want to say like a year in maybe. Eddie Vedder, Eddie Vedder had just moved to the Seattle area from San Diego. And, you know, you've got bands like Pearl Jam, which were essentially Green River, and then they became Mother Love Bone. And then that, once Andrew's gone, then Vetter joins forces with him, and then and there, there we've got Pearl Jam. And also members of, um, of Green River split up and also created Mud Honey. So there's all this, it's like so many connections between these bands that you don't learn about until later. I wasn't a guy who grew up in Seattle. I wasn't going around at the, um, at the concerts and the, and the music scene to know all this stuff back then. But over time, you do start to gather some of these connections of these bands. But Breath and State of Love and Trust, they, they both contri- they contributed two songs on the soundtrack. And also, Eddie Vedder, uh, Jeff Ament, and Stone Gossard appear in the movie. They play the backing band, uh, the fictitious band, Citizen Dick, uh, which was Matt Dillon's supporting group. So it's really fun to see the, you know, the diner table scenes and just these little cameos of, of Pearl Jam in the movie singles. And they did a pretty good job. I got to say, they got to play opposite Matt Dillon and Matt Dillon's a great actor and really, really nailed it. Now, as we move from breath into seasons, this is a awesome story. And I love telling this story because I think it's really, really cool. During the making of the movie, uh, Cameron Crowe really entrusted Jeff Ament to handle creating the ideas behind this band Citizen Dick. That was kind of, he was charged with this responsibility, like just, you know, help me figure out how we can make this fictitious band seem real. And he came up with the single uh, Touch Me, I'm Dick, which there's a version of it on the um, the expanded single soundtrack that came out, um, you know, maybe five years ago. And uh, Touch Me, I'm Dick is a kind of a parody play on words of the uh, Mud Honey song, Touch Me, I'm Sick. So that's where that came from. And then, they, um, they, so, so Jeff Ament is supposed to come up with this thing that's called the Cliff Poncier EP. 
And the Cliff Ponsier EP is Mad Dillon's character is supposed to be busking on the streets of Seattle and, you know, giving his tape out. So Jeff Ament just really quickly, he jots down some kind of humorous, what he would think would be song titles that this character, Cliff Ponsier, had written down. And so he wrote down, let me see, I have the, I have the names of the songs right here. Yeah, it was Nowhere But You, Flutter Girl, Spoon Man, Missing, and Seasons. And you're already going, okay, I know uh, it's a couple of those song titles sound very familiar. So they have these song titles, and Chris Cornell and Jeff Amint and Eddie Vedder, they're, they're all getting in stone. They're all getting together, and they're like, you know, we could record some of these songs. And, and Chris Cornell really took it upon himself to handle recording these, you know, making these songs into real, real things. But they didn't tell Cameron Crowe. So the story that I heard is one night they get, they convince Nancy Wilson to, you know, sit Cameron down, pop in the tape and show him. And he starts realizing that these songs are the ones for, um, for the Cliff Ponsier EP. And he was blown away and he loved seasons. So he absolutely decided to put that on the soundtrack. And then you can also hear, um, this version of Spoon Man playing in the movie as well. It's just a brief moment. It's playing when somebody's hanging up a poster, but, um, so obviously Seasons is a beautiful song and this was Chris Cornell really stepping into his solo work. This is where you can start to see the, the birth of these ideas. He was he was in Soundgarden, he was the frontman of Soundgarden and Soundgarden had a very signature style, you know, really hard, really heavy and this is where you got to see a glimpse of of things to come from Chris Cornell especially on Seasons, which is a beautiful song. And then on Spoon Man Jeff Ament had re- chosen the title Spoon Man because of artists, the, the Spoon Man from, he was a street performer in Seattle. He was playing on spoons. So he, he wrote that Spoon Man in honor of that. And so, you know, Chris Cornell r- recorded this version, banging on pots and pans, and there's this demo version of it. And then it becomes the really the breakout single on 1994's um, uh, Super Unknown. So just goes to show you like, man, it's just crazy how these things all come together. So cool, right? Um, but anyway, and then I believe Chris Cornell also re-released Flutter Girl later on his 1999 debut, Euphoria Morning. So uh, that song got revisited, got, I mean, it got souped up, you know, it's like a faster, you know, full band. He, he worked on it, obviously. But if you ever want to go back, find the Cliff Poncier EP, which they released, um, I think it was in 2015, they released as a promotional CD um, for Record Store Day. There was a promotional CD of the Poncier EP. So you can, you can go out and you can find a lot of these songs that sound like, you know, early demos. And it's pretty cool. Um, and another cool thing was... During the pre-production and the casting process, um, uh, Cameron Crowe was thinking to himself, hey, I could have Chris Cornell play my frontman uh, Cliff Poncier in this movie. That was like his initial thought. And he, you know, at the time, Chris Cornell was really focused on Soundgarden and just didn't have the time to give up for a filming schedule. So he ended up giving it over to Matt Dillon. And I got to say, I think that was the right choice. It was the right choice because as much as we would have loved to have seen Chris Cornell play a character in this movie. That character uh, in the movie is kind of a buffoon. Cliff Ponsier is this guy who's just overconfident and really optimistic, and he's just not good. 
And he doesn't really have kind of a change of character or change of heart really until the tail end. But it's hard to imagine Chris Cornell um, playing somebody who was kind of an ass, you know, and, and Matt Dillon knows how to play an ass. He's a great actor. He's done it before. He knows how to come off like kind of an arrogant douche. And he just nails it in this movie. It's hilarious. Um, one of my favorite moments is this scene where they're, they're, they're at a live venue and they're, you know, they're cutting to Allison Chains is playing in the movie. So if you've never seen singles, if you watch the film, there's these great moments where you have, um, they're in this club, in this Seattle club, and Allison Chains is playing, and they're playing It Ain't Like That up on, on stage from Facelift, and then they go right into Wood, and so you get these great kind of live concert moments where the band is really young and really in their prime, and um, and they're cutting to Matt Dillon, you know, doing a little interview, and he's like, you know, talking about the band. He's like, yeah, we've had some hits in Belgium. So it's a, I love that part. He he played the character perfectly. The movie also has uh, Bridget Fonda, Campbell Scott, Kira Sedgwick, um, some very recognizable, talented actors in the in the movie. It's a it's a romantic comedy. You know, it really talks to kind of that that um, era and that time in your life. You know, the funny thing is, is I remember when I saw Singles, I was I want to say I was in seventh grade, and I went on a date. And I mean, when I say date, it, it was like as much as you can go on a date in seventh grade. You know, it's like your parents drop you off at the mall or outside the theater. And I met up with this girl, Sandra. And Sandra, if, you're, if you ever hear this, hi. Um, but we went to go see singles together. And I remember the whole time awkwardly, you know, trying to hold her hand and working up the courage to that whole sweet moment. But what makes me crack up is when I reflect on seeing the movie Singles, I think about that movie is about these, you know, 20, 30 somethings really struggling with like love and meaning and and really trusting your instincts. And there's all these cliches of, I mean, you know, cliches because they're real of this like, how soon do I call the person? I got to make myself look cool. Like I know what I'm doing, you know, putting on an act to impress somebody and then being real. But it, it was really following around these young adults and their lives in apartments and struggling to live and searching for meaning. And I think about seventh grade Jacob just sitting there being like, yeah, I get it. I mean, this is just, I totally understand. I couldn't possibly have understood those levels of things. You know what I mean? I enjoyed the movie. I was excited to try to hold Sandra's hand and I love the music, but man, I, I, the, the real, you know, core of what that movie was trying to convey was probably like so over my head at that age, but I get it now. Um, anyway, where are we on the songs? Let's go back to the songs. I'm going to get to the track list here, guys. Um, we have, okay, sorry, I keep accidentally scrolling to the bonus tracks. So after Seasons, beautiful song with Chris Cornell, we come to Dyslexic Heart by Paul Westerberg. Paul Westerberg contributes two songs on this album, and he, of course, was famously from The Replacements, and these are his first solo recorded songs after uh, leaving The Replacements. So this was a big deal, and Paul Westerberg scores the film. He provides the score and Paul Westerberg is a prolific, talented songwriter, but I gotta be honest. These were the songs that I skipped. 
You know what I mean? Like there's songs on CDs where you just, it just didn't connect. You just didn't get it. Now I'm not saying that dyslexic heart and his later song, uh, waiting for somebody that they're not good. And I, I think if they were to come on now, I would find the, you know, got a dyslexic heart. I'd have fun. Nah, 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 nah. You know, I'd have fun with it now. But back then, that sound, that style just wasn't right for me. <laughs> just wasn't. It wasn't quite the sound or the music that I was interested in at the time. So I tended to skip them. So I'm sorry, Paul Westerberg. Um you're you're a wonderful musician and talented writer, but it just that was the that was the one that didn't connect for me. Um, but then we move on to the Battle of Evermore, and if you're a music buff, you know that title. That's a Led Zeppelin song, and you're right, it's a Led Zeppelin song. But on this soundtrack, it is covered by the Lovemongers. Lovemongers. That is actually good old Anne and Nancy Wilson. Their side project. So the ladies from Heart are doing this this uh, this side band, the Lovemongers. And of course, Cameron Crowe wants to put his lady on the soundtrack, and they do a killer job. You know, Anne and Nancy Wilson, um, really great at harmonizing, really great musicians, and it's a good cover. It's a solid cover of uh, Battle of Evermore. Um, so then we move on to Mother Love Bone, and. This is, you know, this is a this was a very influential band in that time during that era. And like I said before, Mother Love Bone had members of of Pearl Jam, you know, that, that would go on to for, form Pearl Jam and Andrew Wood, I just talked about his um his impression. And this is the song, uh, yeah, Chloe don't know better. That's the kind of sound that he does. Um, and I love this song. It's a great song. It's an epic song. It's got like two parts to it. It starts with Chloe Dancer and Crown of Thorns. Nice, big, long song. It's great. And I have a confession to make, though, which is, okay, so outside of this song, I never really got a chance to pursue listening to Mother Love Bone, to checking out their album. I will now, um, but I, I can equate it mostly to like when somebody tells you, to watch a show on Netflix, you know, and they're like, you should check out the show. And you've already got 23 shows that you're juggling in your repertoire. And you're like, I just don't, I don't have the room to add it. And let's not forget that back in the nineties, it's not like you could go to YouTube or Spotify or just go find the song and stream it. If you wanted to listen to a band, you either had to go buy the album or find somebody who has a copy of it get a dub onto a tape or, you know, get a copy. Um, that was the only way you'd had to invest money or time. And so if you weren't driven to, to really chase the band, they got put on the back burner. And so for me, mother love bone got put on the back back burner, which is if you're a diehard mother love bone fan, I apologize. No disrespect. I love this song and it's time for me to go check out Apple and the, the stuff that they put out. You know, the tragedy is that the they were really generating this buzz and they were scheduled to release that debut album and Andrew died before they could even do it. So um, it really is tragic. But now I can go because we do have Spotify and we do have ways to stream. I can go check out my mother love bone. I'm going to do it. I promise. But this is going to happen over and over again. You're going to find that... Um, that uh, there's artists that I'm just going to miss. 
I'm going to miss him. You know, I know that you guys are looking to me as the guy to give you the deep dives and stuff like that. But man, I am not a music expert by any means. I am a, I am a kid. I'm a man who was a kid in the 90s and loves music, loves it with every fiber of my being. And I have since I was a wee lad. It started as a young boy, my mom playing music in the house, hearing Gershwin's Rhapsody in Blue and Fur Elise by Beethoven and Chopin and hearing Stardust by Willie Nelson and my mom playing Patsy Cline and Beatles songs. You know, that my love and environment of music started at a very, very young age. And I've just always loved music. And so I'm going to be sharing records and deep dives and we're looking at this, looking at that, but there's going to be stuff that you're going to be like, you didn't know about them. And I'm like, I didn't, I didn't, I'm sorry. I can't, I can't hear every band of all time. You're going to be like, they're the best band ever in Cleveland, Ohio in 1991. And I'll be like, I missed it. I'm sorry. Or I've heard of them and I haven't gotten around to it yet. Now it's harder, right? Because as we get older, you tend to go back to the music that you grew up with. I do pursue modern bands and I do check out things that I missed along the way, but you'll find, I think if you're, if you're not my age or, you know, you're young, you'll find that when you get older, you start to just put on what you listened to when you were growing up because Hey, takes you back. Anyway, uh, another tangent. Um, all right, let's get on to birth ritual by Soundgarden. Yeah, this is great track. It's really heavy. That riff is so awesome. The thing I always loved about Soundgarden is their tunings were just so wacky. You know, Kim Thale was just, what are you doing? And I know, I think Chris also influenced the the crazy tuning aspect of it also, but they were all over the place, very heavy. And Soundgarden really hadn't had their day in the sun yet when the soundtrack dropped. You know what I mean? It was like Pearl Jam and Nirvana, which Nirvana was asked to be on the single soundtrack and they turned it down. So, you know, I think maybe at the time they were worried about the commercialization of their music. They always seem to be, you know, Kurt always seemed to be. Um, I have a feeling if it was Foo Fighters, Dave would have been like, yeah, hell yeah, because he's just that kind of guy. But um, but they they passed on being in the movie. But Pearl Jam and Nirvana are in getting blasted out in the world. But Soundgarden hadn't had that really pop yet. So this was like when I heard this album, I didn't I wasn't familiar yet with Soundgarden. I I think shortly after this would be around the time that I would hear songs like Jesus Christ Pose and Outshined and and um you know Rusty Cage, which are just killer songs. Um but this is uh this is kind of early for a lot of the world to get introduced to Chris Cornell, his amazing vocals and just the power and the 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 changes in tempo of, uh, of Soundgarden. But again, another Seattle staple, you know, this is an, another band that's close. These guys are friends with each other, Allison Chains and Soundgarden and Mother Love Bone. They're all hanging out. And there's a really cool picture from the movie singles. It's got a picture of Cameron Crowe and he's sitting there with the guys from Pearl Jam, Lane Staley's in the picture, Chris Cornell's in the picture. Just such a cool moment in time. What I wouldn't give to just be a fly on the wall during this time period, you know? Be so special. Um, then we move on to State of Love and Trust, which I mean, I kind of talked about it earlier. This was, I, I have read, Eddie Vedder was paying very close attention to like the subject matter of the film. And so the song is really written in direct reflection of what's going on in the movie. And Cameron Crowe has been, you know, quoted as saying that it really captures the heart of the movie. So State of Love and Trust is a great song, um, really great energy. 
and um, and uh, you can really feel feel it on this on this track on the album. So it was a great in, in, great song to be introdu- included in the album. Sorry, I I want to take a drink. Is that okay? I've got a Lacroix here. My wa- mouth is getting a little dry. Mmm, bubbly goodness. Now I'm gonna end up burping later, so I apologize in advance. Anywho, um, moving right along, moving right along, we get to Overblown by Mud Honey. And again, these are like the founders of the grunge movement, which, you know, back then, those bands would hate being called grunge, right? They were just like, we're a rock band or we're like metal, rock, sludge, but... Grunge was this title that got laid on everything back then. and But now that we're 30 years away from it, you can look back and you can be like, yeah, it's part of the grunge scene. And bands like Mud Honey were a big part of that. That was a huge, huge uh, contribution. Um, and that's it. This is a great song. Again, the Mud Honey was created out of that splitting up of Green River, and they started their own thing. Uh, another band that gets asked for a lot. And Mud Honey, I know some Mud Honey songs, but it was another one of those ones that just didn't grab me at a young age. And so really the stuff that I've heard about Mud Honey has been more um, as an adult. I wasn't, I didn't, I didn't glom on to the Mud Honey uh, music back then as much. And then we get to Mr. Paul Westerberg again um, and Waiting for Somebody. Really charming song that I would skip when I was younger. But hey, now, now I'll take the time for you, Paul. Um, again, I'm almost near the end of the song here of the album. And as you'll notice, everybody on this album are Seattle bands, except for who's coming up next. Uh, no, 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 not next. We have Paul Westerberg was from Minneapolis and, um, the Smashing Pumpkins who closed out the album were a Chicago band, but everybody else here, including this next artist, Jimi Hendrix, of course, you're going to make a movie in Seattle. You got to include Hendrix. And I love this song. It is such a cool song. The only way to experience May This Be Loved by Jimi Hendrix and most Jimi Hendrix music is headphones on, baby. You got to put those headphones on because those pans, those crossfades of his guitar work going back and forth. Waterfall. It's just going back. Oh, it'll transport you to another place. I highly recommend it. So great song. Great choice, Mr. Crow, to include this on here. Now we're getting down to the last two songs in the album. We have Nearly Lost You, um, and this is The Screaming Trees. Screaming Trees is Mr. Mark Lanigan, who, I mean, the guy has collaborated and sang on so many albums over the past 20, 30 years. It's crazy. Um, very talented, very iconic baritone uh, to Mark Lanigan, and uh, Nearly Lost You is a great track. I, I love it. I still This song really brings me back. I feel like when I hear I Nearly Lost You there by the... Screaming Trees, I'm suddenly, you know, thinking about the date I had with Sandra, which the funny thing, you want to know a funny thing about <laughs> this is so me. This is so me. Um, I think that shortly after that little date I had, um, I think that I we were talking on the phone. I remember being over at my friend Adam's house and I was like on the phone with her. And I think I said something which was like, it may, I don't know if it was like, I think I love you. It may have been. I would not put that past me at all because this guy always t- tended to fall head over heels with every girl he ever liked. That was just classic Jacob. Just a lover, not a fighter. And um, 
I think I said something. It may not have been I love you, but I think it might have been like a, I, I, have, I have feelings for you. I have a crush on you. I overdid it. I said something way too far on that phone call, and it scared her off. Scared her off, so I blew it. I blew it, Givens. But anyway, but such a funny memory, thinking about those times. Always a hopeless romantic. Um, but uh, all right, let's get to the last song. And hey, it's always going to come back to the pumpkins for me. I mean, if you listen to episode two, don't think you're not going to get a melancholy uh, episode and an adore episode and a Pisces episode and a, and a Gish episode. You're going to probably get all of them because that's just what heroes do. And I'm a hero. No, I'm just a fanboy. Um, but we get to drown. And I got to tell you, we talked last week, last episode about how mayonnaise is my number one song. And I said drown is photo finish. Mayonnaise wins by a nose. And drown is right behind. It is my second favorite song of all time. This is that bridge. You can hear it from Gish to Siamese Dream. We're really developing it, that sound and that tone that I, that I fell in love with. And you can hear it on this one because it's got that dreamy guitar sound that we had on Gish that we did. But the distortion, I don't know. I don't know. If you worked on this album or you know the details of what was done in that recording studio, I can tell that there was a shift in the way those guitars are layered and drowned. Amazing song. And one of my favorite parts, which you may think this is weird, I love the feedback ending. I love it. I never skip it. I enjoy every second of that. That is like um, distorted guitar whale songs for me. That's what it feels like. I could lay down in bed, you know, look up at my ceiling and just let that song drift off into that beautiful noise. That distorted uh, screeching, squealing feedback at the end of Drown is beautiful to me. I, you know, whenever people cut it or it was on the radio and they would, they would get out. Oh, of course they're not going to play that on the radio, but they would always fade out and I'd be like, no, that's my favorite part. <laughs> I love it. Um, that really was a, a thing that probably not everybody got into, but I did. I'm trying to think if there was anything else about this album that I wanted to cover before we got out of here. I th- talked about Ponsier EP and, and that whole thing and that crazy story. Um, but it's a charming movie. You know, it's, it's not, it's not like the best movie of all time. It's a romantic comedy. It's very charming, but more than anything, it's, it's a time capsule. It's really going to take you back. Oh, there's another cameo in the band, in the movie. Tad, the dude from Tad is in the movie. Also, he plays, there's a scene, another, uh, another band from up there, Tad. There's a scene where, um, Bridget Fonda's calling. She thinks she's calling and, and telling Cliff, Matt Dillon's character that she's hot and ready for him. And she dials the wrong number, and it's the guy from Tad. So that's another another great cameo in the movie. Um, when I was looking at uh, looking up detail about it, because I know some of this stuff, but I mean, I, I do my research. Um, and so if I got anything wrong, don't be too furious with me. I'm just a I'm just a man. Um, there are. It's said that Tim Burton was in it, but I don't remember where Tim Burton is. That he was a cameo. I gotta watch the movie again, guys. Maybe we should do like a, I've been thinking about doing a Twitch channel so we could like, I could show you music live. Maybe we could like, I could start a Twitch and we can watch singles together. You can grab your popcorn. We could sit down and watch singles. Wouldn't that be fun? Maybe we should do that. 
I don't know. You write me and you tell me what you think. There are songs in the movie that didn't make it on the soundtrack. You know, again, it's just filled with great music. It has Three Days by Jane's Addiction, uh, Pixie's Dig for Fire, Radio Song by R.E.M. Then you've got some classic artists in there like John Coltrane and 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 uh, uh, Sly and the Family Stone. And yeah, anyway, Jinx by Tad. That's another one that's not on the soundtrack, but it's in the movie. But anyway, guys, you want your little taste of Seattle and what us uh, what us old folks listen to that really got us into a lot of bands and a lot of cool music uh, right out of the gate. It was the singles, original motion picture soundtrack. So thanks for joining me for Waterproof Records with Jacob Givens. I am your host, Jacob Givens. And uh, please tell a friend, subscribe, send it to your buddy. We're going to keep covering albums. And I'm going to start on ones that mean a lot to me. That's just how we're going to do this. I'm going to be talking about records and, and bands that really kind of informed my life. But as we go and the show's on for 20 years, wink, um, I will, of course, be open to looking at new artists, old artists, bands I didn't know about, taking suggestions from you. And there's one thing that I get a lot of, it's suggestions. When you start making content about bands, we love music, right? I'm I Literally every music lover in the world is starting to discover me and they want to share what they love. And I love that about you. So you're going to be sending me requests and you're going to be asking for things and I'll get to them if I can, but I won't always get to them, but stay with me. We'll have some fun. We'll talk about music and, um, have a, have a fantastic time. So anyway, thanks guys. We'll see you next time. Thanks for joining me on waterproof records. Thank you.